So here we are, we're in message number two in our series, AKA, also known as. So yes, you have a name, you have a name, but do you know the names that have been given to you by God? Because it's the names given to you by God that really reveal your true identity. And this is a series about discovering your true identity. I want to ask you a question. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, or maybe you know of someone who has in their life experienced amnesia. Is there anyone here that's ever experienced amnesia? Amnesia is partial or total memory loss. Some of you are pointing at people that have that right now. (laughs) Well, Two years ago, my son James, who's also the youth pastor here, was on a water ski trip, and he, you know, you know those uh, inner tube rides, you know? I mean, he got banged around big time, and I mean, he got his clock run wrong, and he was taken to the emergency room because he couldn't remember anything. And, you know, when your brother, the little brother, and your middle, your older brother has amnesia, imagine the fun you can have. So this is James being interviewed by Luke in the emergency room after Chris Wright took them to the hospital, watch this video. Listen carefully to the conversation. I want you to hear the conversation. You hit Ethan. Is he okay? Yes. If he wasn't okay, where would he be? He'd be in an ambulance about five James, hours in front of me. like... Don't okay, even mess with here. me. <laughs> Don't even mess with me. Give me those Invogue glasses. Why am I wearing here? Who's the lead, lead dude of Invogue? Uh, Nick, and then what's the guy below him that we chilled with? I don't remember chilling with anyone. At Warp Tour? I don't remember Warp Tour. Yes, you do. You just said his name. Nick. And Corey, then, dude. Corey's the man. Corey's the man, dude. And then you're gonna use this, and you're gonna play this back. We went to Warp Tour, and we were in the tent. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But what girl do you like? Don't even get that out of me. Don't even try. You dated Trisha. We already did get right? one of it out of you, but you. Or can't you're dating Trisha. I'm not telling you because I'm not telling you about girls. Are you still dating Trisha? I'm not in my right mind right now. Okay, so that's a yes. I, I have no clue. Who's dating Trisha? <laughs> Why do I share that with you? The reason I share that with you is this. I think some Christians have partial or even substantial memory loss regarding who they are. You see, if you do not know the names that God has called you, it is impossible for you to know who you are. You are not just your first name. Yes, you have a first name, but you are way more than that. And so in this series, we're studying the real names that God has given us because God doesn't want you walking through life like my son James with spiritual amnesia about your true identity. So the main principle for this whole series, you see it in your outlines, my true identity is not the name given to me by my parents. It's found in the names given to me by by God. Your identity has already been given to you. You you just have to discover it. And, And your identity is found in the names that God has given you. And as we've been sharing, and this is just all introduction, God's given you 10 names. When God sees you, he sees you in these names. 
And we shared uh, Proverbs 22.1, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Greater than great riches to God or a bunch of gold to God is, is the good names that he has called you by, that God wants you to find as incredibly wealthy. He doesn't want us, any of us walking around with spiritual amnesia about our identity. Wow. Now, last, last Sunday, we studied one of the most common names given to us uh, by God, and that was the name what? Saint. Saint. So I am Mark, but I'm also Saint Mark. And it's the same with you. Saint Manny is right here. I see Saint Kathy right here. Now, that's the first name that we study. We're going to look at a second name today, and it's a very tender name. It's a beautiful name that God calls us by in the Bible, and it's amazing. It's child of God. So yes, I am Mark, but I'm also Mark, child of God. So I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and give them your first name, but say, I am Diane, child of God. Introduce yourself to someone at your table with your true name. Go for it. You right now, you are voicing part of your identity, and that's so awesome. So a key principle for being able to understand truly embracing your identity is you've got to start talking about yourself the way God talks about you. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. And so you, you've got to, you get, I hope that, remember I, I shared with you last Sunday to please get out a pair of glasses. Put them on your bathroom counter. When you wake up, put the glasses on and say, ah, yes, good morning, Mark, but it's also, good morning, St. Mark. Put the glasses on. I'm serious. This is the one thing I'm asking you to do for this series because I want you to learn your names. Because without you understanding your names, you're going to go through, go through life with the name given to you by your parents, which is nice, but that's not life transformational. That's not even your true name. Your true name. This morning, we're going to learn is putting this on and looking to go, oh, I'm Mark, child of God. That's awesome. Now, because you are a child of God, there are three things that are true about you that you need to embrace as part of your identity, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, these three things. Number one, because I'm a child of God, you should have your notes, I have a family. Can you repeat that after me? I have a family. Wow. Now, I have no idea what your current biological family is like. I wonder what word you would choose to use to best describe your family. Is it great? Is it terrible? Is it abusive? Is it cold? Is it absent? Is it uncaring? Would you use some other word? Is it tender? I mean, what word would you use to describe your current family? Great news is this. Your current family is not your real family. <laughs> it's just not. Your current biological family is temporary. It's not your true family. You say, well, what's my true family? It's your eternal family. Look around. This is your true family right here in this room. Who is my true family? Those that are believers, those that have put their faith in Jesus, those that, that God has called children of God. And again, I have no idea what your biological mom or dad or brothers or sisters are like and how you would describe them, but the great news is this. They're not your true mom, dad, brothers, or sisters. 
when you believed in Jesus, that day you believed in Jesus, put your faith in him, your entire family changed. You, 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 you all of a sudden were entered in and placed into a brand new family. And by the way, it's an awesome family. And now, a bunch of scripture about this, you can see on your outlines. Look at John chapter 1, 12 and 13. I want you to underline some things here in your outline. Yet to all who received him, would you underline received him? Because that's you. To those who believed in his name, that's you. Well, what happens when you receive him and believe in his name? He gave the right to become children of God. Underline children of God because that's who you are. That's a name that God gives you. Children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, you are a child of God. And because of that, watch this, God, the Father, is your Father. Jesus is your Savior, but he's also your brother. You see, when Jesus sees you, he sees you as a child of God, but he sees you as your as a sister or as a brother. You see, this is a series about learning to look at our life from God's perspective, which is the true perspective, not from your abusive perspective. Some of you come from homes where you were abused, mistreated, slandered, and and your identity is caught up in that family. (laughs) That's not what God's Word teaches. You have a new family. You have a new dad. You have a new mom. You have new brothers and sisters. So when you look in the mirror, if you're just seeing, oh, this person that was whatever, you you are not seeing yourself the way God wants you to see yourself. You need to start seeing yourself truly for who you are, a child of God. Now look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. It talks about Jesus. This is how Jesus sees you. Both the one who makes them holy, that's Jesus who makes us holy, and those who are made holy, that's you, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. You know, Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother or sister because that's who you are, a child of God. Now, you want to see an amazing scripture on this. Take your Bibles, turn to Mark. Go to Mark chapter 3. And here we have a passage, and it really shows how Jesus sees you. And it's a very interesting passage because Jesus has started his public ministry and his family comes to basically rescue Jesus because they think he's gone insane. (laughs) This is what families do, right? And verse 31, then Jesus' mother, who is who? Mary, and his brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone to call him. A crowd was standing out around him. And they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. So here's Jesus teaching in a house. All of a sudden, his family comes to rescue him from the house. And then Jesus says, well, who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him, and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. You are my family, is what Jesus is saying. That is how Jesus sees you this morning. Not only is God the Father your father and Jesus your brother, but the Holy Spirit is your comforter because you're a child of God. And Jesus talked about the role of the comforter, the Holy Spirit, in John 14, 24 to 26. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, you follow me on your outlines? The counselor, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. 
The Holy Spirit, parkaleo, is the, the Greek word. It's, it's the comforter that comes within our lives. So God is our Father, Jesus is our brother, and the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And that is the truth because we are a child of God. You have an awesome family. And if that weren't enough, it, it gets even better because guess what? Paul and Peter and John, they are also your brothers. And guess what? Ruth and Sarah and Naomi, they are your sisters. Do you realize you're going to see them in heaven? By the way, if you take your Bible and you just go to the Old Testament, have you ever gone through uh, just Jeremiah? Look at the prophets. Ezekiel. You look at uh, Malachi. You look at Zechariah. You look at Haggai. You know, these are men who are all going to be in heaven. These are your brothers. And one day you're going to come around a corner and you're going to bump into Malachi. And he's going to go, say, what's up? And you guys are going to be talking. And, he, and, he, and he's going to go, so what's your name and what's your story? And he's going to, and then all of a sudden you're going to get, well, what's your name? He's going, I'm Malachi. And then Malachi's going to look at you and go, you know about my life, right? You did read my book, right? I am in the Bible, right? You better read your Bible. <laughs> you're going to meet all of these guys, your brothers in heaven. It'll be kind of embarrassing. If you don't even know anything about them, this is the truth. This is your family. Now, how did this all come about that you became a child of God? One word, adoption. Write that word down somewhere in your notes. Look at Galatians 3.26. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. In Galatians 4, 4-5. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights as sons. That phrase, full rights, in the Greek for, is the word that we get adoption. Adoption. You see, you've been adopted legally by faith into God's family to be his child. This morning, we saw Stephanie get baptized, and she talked about how Richard and Nellie adopted her to be adopted on earth it involves paperwork and i know richard and ellie could talk about all the paperwork they filled out to be legally adopted but watch this to be adopted by god it takes faith when you put your faith in jesus christ you are legally adopted as a child of god when you look in the mirror do you see more than just mark do you see more than just your first name with all the scars that you've had and have accumulated because of your dysfunctional family? And here's the news. We all have dysfunctional families down here. But you've got a perfect family. You've got a God that's adopted you. You are a child of God, and you have the full rights of that. That's powerful. But watch this. There's something even more mind-boggling that happened so that you could become legally adopted by God and it talks about that in Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. It's there in your outline. Look, at it says this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. What is that saying? That says this. Before God adopted you in your life when you put faith in him, God chose you before the creation of the world. That was a long time ago. God saw you from history past, that one day you would become his child. And that is mind-boggling. 
That's amazing to me. How special is it that I'm a child of God? John talks about it in 1 John 3, 1, there in your outlines. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. I mean, John's reflecting on the fact that he's a child of God. And he just, how great is the love of God that I would be called a child, a child of God. And then he says in 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are children of God. Do you know that? I hope you know that. Do you realize how special it is that you're a child of God? That in order to be a child of God, God had to choose you before the creation of the world. And there was a moment in history you put faith in him and were adopted into his family. And because of that, John says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Have you looked at this world? Do you see how evil it is? Aren't you glad you're not part of this world? The system of this world? Why aren't you part of it? ISIS? Why aren't you a Muslim extremist? Because of God's grace. Do you realize how special it is that you've been saved out of this world? You are a child of God. That is your identity. Yes, you are a saint. We studied that last Sunday. But another name is you are a child of God. And because I'm a child of God, the first point is this. As you look in the mirror, you've got to say, I have an awesome family. I have God as my father. Jesus as my savior and brother. The Holy Spirit is my comforter. And look at my family. Let's talk about that at our tables. What does it mean to you that because you are a child of God, you are legally part of God's family? Talk about that. Go for it. So I am a child of God. And when I look in the mirror... I put on these biblical glasses and I go, wow, Mark, you're a child of God and because of that, you have a family. You have an awesome family, but it goes beyond that. Second, I have favor. I have favor. Now, we get this as parents. If you're a parent here, you totally get this. Our kids get all sorts of favor by virtue of the fact that they are our kids. Let's take Luke, for example. We've got two out of three. Two out of the three are gone, okay? We got one. Praise the Lord, you know, okay? You, you know that feeling, right? Okay? They're living outside the house now, doing well. Luke's still at home. And uh, let's take Luke, though, okay? Uh, Luke has an iPhone 6. Guess who bought that iPhone 6? Luke has a comfortable bed. I mean, a really comfortable bed. Guess who went to Ikea and bought that comfortable bed for him? Huh? Luke's favorite snack. His favorite snack is a thing called Nutella. Guess who goes to Costco to buy him that Nutella? This kid's got favor, okay? I mean, uh, Luke attends Cal State East Bay going into his senior year. Guess who pays that bill that I get, okay? Huh? If there was ever an emergency, guess who'd be the first one there, you know, to rescue Luke? He has so all of our kids, we get this. But let me just ask you a question. Have you thought about the favor you receive from God by virtue of the fact that he has adopted you as his child? Sometimes we just take this for granted. And when you look in the mirror, sometimes we get down in life. We just go, oh, we compare ourselves. That's our problem with everyone else. But you, you need to put these glasses on and say, Lord, I have a family, but I have so much favor from you 
because I'm your child. So let me give you six areas of favor that the Bible talks about. Number one, I have God's compassion. You have God's compassion. He is so compassionate toward you. Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Wow. You want to see a beautiful picture. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. This is an amazing picture of God's compassion for all of us. And this is the parable of the prodigal son. And all of us are prodigals. We take our inheritance and we run from God. Oftentimes, even as Christians, we'll run into sin. Even this last week, I wonder how it's been for you. You've gotten tangled up in some things that you never thought you would. What's God's attitude toward you? You know, God, even in our lowest moments, has so much compassion because there's favor for us. And you look at the prodigal, you know, he kind of finds himself, you know, uh, in a pig pen, and some of us may feel there. But then he kind of wakes up, the prodigal, and, you know, he's like with, with shaking in his boots. Can I return to my father? Verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. What's the father going to be like? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, not anger, compassion. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But look at the compassion. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe. Mm. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. And they began to celebrate. That is a beautiful picture of God's compassion for you. You want to know why? Because you're his child. He's compassionate. You have his favor. Second, I have God's love. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us as his children, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I love the hymn, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure, to make a wretch his son, to make a wretch his daughter. That's how much God loves you. I have God's Spirit, another area of God's favor. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. God's Spirit is within you to lead you. The Holy Spirit is there to lead you. That's a, 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 that's, that's a facet of God's favor on your life. He's not left you alone. Number four, I have God's tender acceptance. You see, God's attitude and disposition toward you is one of total acceptance. You have access to God at any time He accepts you because you're His child. Romans 8, 15 to 16. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. In other words, you're a child of God, and by Him we cry out, Abba, Father. You know what the word Abba means? Daddy. It means Papa. It's an Aramaic term, actually. It's the most tender term. I don't know what your relationship with your dad was like. I was blessed with an amazing dad who's over there. And he just showed me, yes, so much of who the Lord is like. Maybe you didn't have a father like that. But all these things that I see here in God, I've seen with my dad as well. And if you didn't get that in your earthly father, you have it right now with your heavenly father. And you can call him daddy. I can tell my daddy I love him. I can call him daddy. I still hug on him. 
and he hugs on me, but, you know, he's a little hairy, and I kind of keep him. Look at that beard. It's like Moses over there, you know? But there's this acceptance that you have with your heavenly father because he's your child, and it's a beautiful thing. It's favor. Also, I have God's generosity. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but but turn if you have to Matthew chapter 6 if you want to turn there. We're looking at a lot of scripture today. That's why I've given you a lot of it in your outlines. It saves us time. But in Matthew chapter 6, you've probably read this a thousand times. Maybe you've never seen it like you will see it right now. Matthew 6 verse 9. This then is how you should pray. And here's the Lord's Prayer. It starts by this. Our Father, or our Daddy, our Abba. That's how you can call God. Because you're His child now, and you're seeing yourself differently. Daddy. That's how the prayer begins. And then you read down to the prayer, give us today our daily bread. God is generous. You turn to one page over to the right, go to Matthew 7, And Jesus continues teaching about prayer. He says, ask, verse 7, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Why is Jesus saying that? Because God is benevolent, generous. And then I love this, verse 9. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? We wouldn't do that. If he asks for fish, we'll give him a snake. If your son asks for Nutella, you know, you're not going to give him mayonnaise anchovies, you know? Then, he, then Jesus says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to our children. We do, right? We have a sin nature, and we give good gifts to our children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? How much more when a child comes to God? We have the ear of God. We have the generosity of God. It's amazing the privilege that you and I have the favor we have because we're a child of God. I also, uh, number six, I have God's loving discipline. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Maybe you've never seen this passage before, but Hebrews chapter 12 starts in verse 5, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. There's a word of encouragement that maybe some of us as God's children have forgotten. And this is what the Word says. My son or daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Now God disciplines his children, but guess what? It's always in love. It's loving discipline. Some of us were disciplined inappropriately when we were children. That's not what God does. God's discipline is always appropriate, and it's always done in incredible love. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, you are an illegitimate child. You're not a true son. If God never disciplines you, you don't belong to him. But if you belong to him, you are his child, he will lovingly discipline you. It's part of the favor that he brings to your life because he wants the best for your life. I discipline all three of my boys. Why? Because I love them. My discipline is not perfect, but God's is. But it's part of the favor that you receive. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. 
No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Wow. Who am I? (laughs) I am God's child. Because I'm God's child, I have a family. It's an amazing family. And as I look in the mirror and I see that I'm a child of God, I also have God's favor. And it's amazing favor. It's favor in these six different areas that we just looked at. I have God's compassion. I have God's love, God's spirit, God's tender acceptance, God's generosity, and God's loving discipline. Take a moment at your tables. Talk about that. How does this hit you? That because you are God's child, you have God's favor. Talk about that. All right, who am I also known as? I am a child of God. That's how God sees me. That's a name he's assigned to me. Because I am also known as a child of God, I have a family. I also have incredible favor. And the third is this, I have forever. Now, it's trying to guess at what these are, huh? Now, here's the deal. You know, it's so easy for us to think, and get so wrapped up in this life that this is all there is. And we think this is all there is, you know, and woe is me, sometimes we get that way. And life can be difficult at times, but we need to remember that because you're a child of God, you're part of God's forever family. You will live forever with God and be part of his everlasting eternal family. And have you ever thought, maybe even recently, how long eternity is? <laughs> wow. We can't even get our minds around that. Forever. Eternity. I mean, this life, our experience in time and space as humans, you know, that's all our experience knows right now. One day we will transcend time and space. It's just a little blip right now, one dot. And then there's eternity in the family of God. Now, listen to this verse there. It's in your outlines, Ephesians 3, 14. Maybe you've never seen this before. I want you to get your pen out and underline something there on on this verse. Paul says this in Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family, underline his whole family, in heaven, underline in heaven, and on earth, underline on earth, derives its name. Paul's talking about the whole family of God, and he breaks it up into two categories. He says, God's family is in heaven and on earth. Notice, you got to think about this. Right now, right now, in this very exact moment in time and space, part of God's family is on earth. But part of God's family is already in heaven. Earth is a real place. We can feel, we know this is a real place, but watch this. It is a temporary place. You say, what's going to happen to this earth? God is going to destroy it. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and following, read it. He's going to destroy this earth and remake it. If you, if you study the book of Revelation, I've done a whole series on the book of Revelation, you can get that in the back called The End. The Great Tribulation is from Revelation 6 to Revelation 18. That is nothing but you study all the judgments. There's three categories of them. It's the slow destruction of this earth. That's the great tribulation. The reign of Antichrist is God allowing this earth ultimately to cave in on itself and be self-destroyed. And then ultimately God will supernaturally destroy it 
and remake it. What I'm trying to say is this. This is not permanence. Your family now is not permanent. Your life here is not permanent. What is permanent and what is eternal is God and the future and eternity in a place called heaven. (laughs) God's family is what lasts. You say, what is God doing right now? He's building his family on earth. That's what he's doing. That's what he, all over the world. It's an eternal family. It's a forever family. Well, who's in heaven right now? This family, what does it look like? Well, God the Father is there. Jesus the Son is there. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter is there. Millions of angels are there. That's part of God's family as well. Not redeemed, but they're part of the overall large family of God. Millions of saints are there. Our first name that we studied last Sunday. And millions of your brothers and sisters are there right now. Now, millions of your brothers and sisters are here right now on planet Earth, but millions are right now in heaven where God's family is, where you will be one day. And by the looks of some of you, you're going to get there before, you know, others. I might beat you. I might be the first one to get there, and I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I tried to dig myself out of the hole. Did you notice that? I, it's not, I'm not very sly, okay? But seriously, you got, we got to think this through. As we look in the mirror, we see ourselves. we got to remember one day we're going to be talking to our brothers, David and Samuel and Joseph, you're going to meet these guys. You're going to meet Luke. You're going to meet Matthew. You're going to meet Paul. You're going to meet Timothy. You're going to hang out with Timothy. You're going to meet Billy Graham and James Dobson and all these people that you look at, awesome Christians. They're fellow saints, equal holiness like we talked about. You're your brothers and sisters. Take them off the pit, you know, way up here. They're your brothers. You're going to look at them eye to eye and have conversations. You're going to talk to your sisters, Ruth and Mary and Naomi and Rebecca and Rachel and Tabitha and Ruth Graham and Elizabeth Elliot. They're all going to be there. This is what is real. Yes, you, you, you have a, 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 a family, you have favor, but you have forever with this family. I mean, I can't wait to see my grandpa, Curly. We named him Curly because he had no hair. He was bald. That's the Tyler family humor. I love this guy. I remember playing catch with Curly. I remember Curly praying for me. I remember when I first became a pastor, Curly signed his Bible that he gave to me. He said, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. When your grandpa hands you that kind of a Bible that I still have to this day, I love that man. I can't wait to see him in heaven. He's there already. He's my brother. He's my grandpa, but he's still also my brother. I can't wait. I can't wait to see Jake Bielig. I can't wait to see Davon Rhodes, who I love so dearly and deeply. They're all going to be there. I have forever, forever with them and with you. You're not going to get rid of me. <laughs> oh, man, I feel for you. I'm praying for you right now. That's why you need the Holy Spirit praying for you. Because I'm a child of God and so are you, we have forever. Now, what is it called that I get to spend forever with the family of God? What is it called? It's called this. Write it down. 
your inheritance. That's the term the Bible uses. You see, because you're a child of God, you have an inheritance. Now, it's talked about all over Scripture. Romans 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You need to understand, I studied every Scripture that uses your name, God's child. And I'm, unless you're not getting it, I'm integrating all of the key Scriptures that say you're a child of God into this message, as I've done with every single one of these messages. I've already written all the messages. All ten are done. I was so excited about this, I just could not stop studying and preparing. It blown me away who we are, the names God's given us. And so the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Because you're a child of God, you're an heir of God, which means you have an inheritance. Uh, another scripture talks about that, Galatians 3, 26, 29. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are heirs according to the promise. Since you are a son or a daughter, God has made you an heir. You say, well, what, is, what do you mean God's made me an heir? You have an inheritance. You say, what is my inheritance? It's four words. I could put it maybe that way. The kingdom of God is your inheritance. Your inheritance is a made. You say, well, what is the kingdom of God, Mark? Uh, what is that about? Take your Bibles. Turn to John 14. Let's start here with a little description of it. If this doesn't fire you up, oh, man, then, whew. Because you are God's child, you have an inheritance that is just going to blow your mind away as I read about it right now. Now, Jesus said this to his disciples to encourage them. Maybe you need encouragement here. This is the encouragement Jesus gave. He reminded his disciples about their inheritance. He said, John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled, guys. Don't be troubled. And this is what God would be saying to you right now. Don't be troubled. Jesus would say, you're a child of God. Don't be troubled. And guess what? Trust in God. Trust also in me. Oh, by the way, in my Father's house, which is the kingdom of God, there are many rooms. If we're not so, I would have told you. And guess what, guys? I'm leaving right now 2,000 years ago uh, to prepare a place for you. And for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been preparing the kingdom of God for you. Think about this world, how awesome it is. Jesus created this world in six days. It's pretty cool. But what, guess what? It's going to be destroyed. But for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been creating the kingdom of God, your inheritance. Can you imagine how awesome this is going to be? Don't be discouraged. And if I go and prepare a place for you, the kingdom, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may, may be where I am. The kingdom of God is the place God has prepared for you. <laughs> you say, well, well who, who's going to be there? Who's going to be there? Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation, go to chapter 7. Let's start with that, and then we'll work our way through a few things here. Who's going to be there in this kingdom? Revelation 7. See, the kingdom of God right now is within you, right? It's a spiritual kingdom of Jesus' reign in your life. But one day, the spiritual will turn physical. One day, it's going to be visible. Right now, it's invisible. But as a child of God, you have the hope, you have the reality that your inheritance is already set. And, and guess what? The place that Jesus has prepared, one day you will inherit. Wow. Be why? Because I'm such a good... No, because you're a child of God. By God's grace, he called you his child. And because you're his child, guess what? If you're a child here, there's an inheritance you have from your parents. Usually that's how it works. But that's nothing compared to the inheritance you have from God as your heavenly father. 
And you, when you look in the mirror, you've got to realize this. I don't know what your life is like. Maybe you're just like, man, I just have nothing. My home, I don't even have a home. Who cares? You gotta, I, I'm not saying not try to better yourself. or you know. I'm just saying you've got to look at your life in the mirror in light of the fact you're a child of God with your inheritance secure that Jesus has gone to prepare for 2,000 years. And who's going to be there? Revelation 7, verse 9, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. That's your brothers and sisters from every tribe, nation, people, and language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, our daddy, Papa, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, his son, Jesus. All the angels are standing around the throne. This is the centerpiece of the kingdom of God. And the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down with their faces before the throne. They're worshiping God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And you're here with millions of angels and millions of your brothers and sisters, and you're praising the Lord. Oh, man, and this is just the temple. Wow. A picture of the temple. You say, well, what's the, what's the kingdom of God really look like, Mark? Oh, man, turn to Revelation 21. <laughs> now, I have a whole message on this. I've preached an hour sermon on this. You can get it if you go get the series there at the end. I can't give it to you all. I need an hour. This is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, and I'm amazed at how many Christians I talk to them. They don't know what their heavenly home looks like. It's all spelled out here. Read the whole chapter tonight. But let me just give you a few highlights. John is speaking. He's seen it. John was taken in a vision to the, 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 the new Jerusalem Jesus was creating. He saw it with his own eyes, and he's reflecting your home. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. By the way, it's going to be new. <laughs> this kingdom? Don't you just love a new car? New baby? New Whatever? The kingdom is going to be new. It's going to be that, that smell of newness for all eternity. I love it. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. This one is going to pass away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. It's going to be a beautiful kingdom. My son James just got married here a few weeks ago. I had the privilege of doing that wedding. And when that bride comes out, it blew my mind away. She comes out, and I'm like, James, you are the luckiest guy. The second luckiest guy. I got the one bride right there. <laughs> I just, I mean, I started crying right then when I see the bride that my son is going to marry. And I saw her daddy with tears in his eyes walking her, and I'm just like, this is, when you see the glory of your kingdom that you're going to inherit, tears, you're going to just, you're going to, it's going to blow you away at how beautiful the kingdom is beautifully prepared, prepared like a bride, but so much more. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. It will be a God-filled place. Right now, we know the Holy Spirit, he dwells within us, but we know Jesus, but we see him at a distance in Scripture, but then face-to-face. God-permeated place. It'll be the greatest desire of our heart fulfilled to see God, to experience God. No one in heaven will be more beautiful than the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not be able to take your eyes off of him. You will do everything you can in heaven to just see Jesus. 
We will worship Christ. We will not always be in his presence. Well, in a sense, we will be because he's always omnipresent. But there will be moments. It's just not singing, you know, in the choir and hymns. And yet it's weird, the things we think about heaven. And you need to get it, my tape if you want to hear all about the other dimensions of heaven. Part of it will be worship. And the greatest experience you will have is every time you get a worship in concentrated form and see the glory of Jesus Christ. That is the kingdom. It'll blow your mind away. It'll blow me away. I can't wait. Uh, The dwelling of God will be with men. He will wipe all their tears from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. It will be a joyful place. Joy-filled. Unbelievable. The kingdom. He was seated on the throne and said, I'm making everything new. And then he describes heaven. I wish I had time. I don't. The holy, the new Jerusalem, 1,400 miles squared. 1,400 miles wide, tall, deep. That's the kingdom. Twelve gates. Each of them are a single pearl. All the streets are made of gold, transparent glass, it looks like. It's a crazy place. Awesome. Because I'm God's child, <laughs> I have a family. I have favor. I have forever in this kingdom. That's who you are when you look in the mirror. Talk about that at your tables. What does this mean to you? That you are part of God's forever family. Talk about that. All right, this morning, we've looked at just a second, the second of ten names that God has given to us. So yes, I'm Mark. You have a first name. I'm Mark, child of God. Yes, I'm Saint Mark, but I'm also child of God, Mark, and so are you. God does not want you going through life with spiritual amnesia identity like my son James. He doesn't want you forgetting, you know, who you are. He wants you to be able to look in that mirror, put on these glasses, so to speak, whatever it needs to, you need to indoctrinate yourself with this name God's given you. Jesus died so that you could receive the name child of God. And I believe Jesus wants you to be able to look at yourself and say, I have a family. It's an awesome family. I have incredible favor from God because I'm his child. And I have forever in the family of God as my future. Hopefully, you can do that. Some of you, it was great last Sunday after Homebuilders. You were all going, hey, Saint, and you were calling each other by your true names. I love that. Maybe this week as you go home, you can talk to your children about their full name, that they are a Saint Dan or a Saint Elizabeth. They are a child of God, Dan or Elizabeth. And we, you could begin extending to them their full name. On the day that I was literally preparing this message, I write these messages at home, just so you know. Larry and I both take Tuesdays to block out and do nothing but prepare messages. And I was at home this day preparing this message. Um, We had a garage door issue, and a repairman had to come and kind of do some repair work. Some of you may have heard this story. And his name was Scott. He was just a 21-year-old young guy. And uh, he's working on the garage door, and I introduced myself. I went up, and I started, kept on preparing this message. And I, I'm just struck at how through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be adopted as God's child. And the Holy Spirit said, Mark, you need to go down and talk to Scott. You never know what I might do. And so I went down there just loving on this guy, and, 
you know, and ultimately, you know, just having a good conversation with him about his life and what he's into. And ultimately, then he asked the question, so what do you do, Mr. Tyler? And of course, I go, well, I'm a pastor. And, and, and I just remember he looked at me and he goes, I know nothing about God. And I said, Scott, well, how about you finish up your work here and then I'll take you through what the Bible says about, to you, that message. And he said, yeah, I'd like that. And so we did. We went through that message. Here's a picture of Scott. I took him through the gospel, and he prayed to receive Christ as his Savior and Lord right there. And I remember as he looked up at me, he, after, the first thing he said was, I feel great. And I go, of course you feel great. You've just experienced the greatest miracle, forgiveness of your sins. But this is the deal. That day was the day that Scott went from being just Scott to Scott, child of God. I share this story to say there was a day in your life you went from just you to you, child of God. God deserves the glory, the praise, and the honor for that because you have a family now you have God's favor, and you, got, you have forever. I implore you, as your pastor who loves you, when you look in the mirror, please don't see yourself just as you. See yourself as the child of God that you are. Let's pray.